This book is appearing in America some two and a half years after its first publication in Germany, and it is probably just as well that it wasn't available before now in this country. Had it appeared here earlier, American listeners might well have asked, why should we still bother with Hitler today? That's all ancient history. And who is this Christiana F.? But now, after so many young Americans have seen their own tragedies mirrored in the film and book about Christiana F., the teenage German drug addict, and after all the talk in the media the past few years about the danger of nuclear war, it should come as no surprise that I have chosen Adolf Hitler and Christiana F. as representatives, respectively, of extreme destructiveness on a world historical scale and of extreme self-destructiveness on a personal one. Since the end of World War II, I have been haunted by the question of what could make a person conceive the plan of gassing millions of human beings to death, and of how it could then be possible for millions of others to acclaim him and assist in carrying out this plan. The solution to this enigma, which I found only a short while ago, is what I have tried to present in this book. Listeners' reactions to my work convinced me how crucial others find this problem, too, and how the terrifying stockpiling of nuclear weapons worldwide raises the same question in an even more acute form. Namely, what could motivate a person to misuse power in such a way as to cause, completely without scruples and with the use of beguiling ideologies, the destruction of humanity, an act that is altogether conceivable today? It can hardly be considered an idle academic exercise when somebody attempts to expose the roots of an unbounded and insatiable hatred like Hitler's. An investigation of this sort is a matter of life and death for all of us, since it is easier today than ever before for us to fall victim to such hatred. A great deal has already been written about Hitler by historians, sociologists, psychologists, and psychoanalysts. As I attempt to show in this book, all his biographers have tried to exonerate his parents, particularly his father, thus refusing to explore what really happened to this man during his childhood, what experiences he stored up within, and what ways of treating other people were available as models for him. Once I was able to move beyond the distorting perspectives associated with the idea of a good upbringing, what is described in this book as poisonous pedagogy, and show how Hitler's childhood anticipated the later concentration camps, countless people were amazed by the convincing evidence I presented for my view. At the same time, however, their letters expressed confusion. Basically, my childhood differed little from Hitler's. I, too, had a very strict upbringing, was beaten and mistreated. Why then didn't I become a mass murderer instead of, say, a scientist, a lawyer, a politician or a writer? Actually, my book provides clear answers here, although they often seem to be overlooked. For example, Hitler never had a single other human being in whom he could confide his true feelings. He was not only mistreated, but also prevented from experiencing and expressing his pain. He didn't have any children who could have served as objects for abreacting his hatred. And finally, his lack of education did not allow him to ward off his hatred by intellectualizing it. Had a single one of these factors been different, perhaps he would never have become the arch-criminal he did.
On the other hand, Hitler was certainly not an isolated phenomenon. He would not have had millions of followers if they had not experienced the same sort of upbringing. I anticipated a great deal of resistance on the part of the public when I advanced this thesis, which I am convinced is a correct one. So I was surprised to discover how many people, both young and old, agreed with me. They were familiar from their own backgrounds with what I depicted. I didn't have to adduce elaborate arguments. All I needed to do was describe Hitler's childhood in such a way that it served as a mirror, and suddenly Germans caught their own reflections in it. It was the personal nature of their responses to the three examples I present in my book that enabled many people to understand in a more than purely intellectual sense that every act of cruelty, no matter how brutal and shocking,